I, I learned something. I think we can do that every single time. Every time you pull the trigger, really, every time you step foot into the woods, try to learn something, try to figure out something that came from that scenario. And in that case, what I learned was, man, if, if you're not sure if he's the type of buck that you're looking for, then just hold off. You might feel better about it. Hey guys, welcome to the National Deer Association's Deer Season 365 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Grossman. And if you're listening to this the week that it's released, uh, let me go ahead and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, I hope each and every one of you get to set aside some time to spend with family and friends, hey, as well as a little time in the outdoors. So uh, hopefully you'll get to enjoy that. While deer season's wrapping up for many of you, there's still a lot of deer hunters here in the Deep South that are just now getting into the best deer hunting action of the year. And today's guest is one of those fortunate hunters. Uh, we're going to be talking with Parker McDonald of the Southern Ground Podcast and YouTube channel about how hunting in the Deep South compares to some of the other states that, that he's been. Uh, he's going to dive into his passion for using water access to hunt tough-to-reach public land and a whole lot more uh, when it comes to his public land hunting strategy. So be sure to stick around for that conversation. Uh, one thing to note about the upcoming holidays here uh, next week, and again, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, I'm, I'm talking about the week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we won't have a new episode of our Coffee and Deer podcast. So that's going to push the next Coffee and Deer episode to January 4th which means the next Deer Season 365 episode will be January 11th. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, but you haven't subscribed to Coffee and Deer, be sure to check that one out as well. That's a, a great, great podcast hosted by our president and CEO, Nick Penizzato, and his buddy, uh, the doctor, Mike Groman. And uh, th those guys do a great job with that. And that, that podcast kind of complements this one. Uh, very well. So be sure to subscribe to, to the Coffee and Deer podcast. And hey, this episode is brought to you by our good friends at First Light Apparel. Uh, not only is First Light a sponsor of NDA, but they also donate a portion of all the sales of their Spectre line of camouflage to NDA through their Camo for Conservation initiative. So we are extremely grateful for, for their support. Uh, and hey, if you're still looking for that last minute Christmas gift for the, the hunter in your life, or maybe you just want to treat yourself to a great Christmas gift, be sure to check them out at firstlight.com. Uh, one more thing before we jump on the phone with Parker. Again, if you're listening to this the day it releases, there's still a few days left to win that Moultrie Mobile Edge Sailor Trail Camera and NDA Cap and First Light Spectre Camo that we're giving away. And there's, there's no purchase required for that. All you got to do is head over to DeerAssociation.com slash Moultrie and do that before the end of the year. Get signed up and we're going to draw a winner right after the first of the year. And hey, if all goes well with this giveaway, uh, this is something we, we want to start doing more of for the members of our email list as we head into to 2023. So again, just head over to DeerAssociation.com slash Moultrie, get signed up and you just might end up winning a new Moultrie Mobile Edge Cellular Trail Camera. And with that, guys, let's jump on the phone with Parker McDonald to talk a little deep south deer hunting, uh, accessing public land by water, and a whole lot more. 
Hey, Parker, before we dive into, uh, you know, some of our, our hunting topics, can you just tell the listeners a, a little bit about yourself and, and maybe how you developed your, your passion for hunting? Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It, you said before we dive into hunting topics, like, man, I don't feel even worthy to talk about a hunting topic right now. I feel like I'm <laughs> a hunter in the USA. So here in my background might be a little more interesting than my, my take on hunting currently. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, my name's Parker McDonald. I host the Southern ground hunting, uh, YouTube channel and the podcast and, um, born and raised in West Texas. Uh, when I graduated high school, I moved out to Alabama, kind of got my feet wet doing this Southern deer hunting thing, which is a big, huge culture shock for me (laughs) from what I was doing. Um, West Texas, you kind of grow up hunting over, you know, corn feeders in a, in a deer blind in the brush country. And that was, that was just what we did. That's all I knew. And so when I moved to Alabama, things were just a little bit different. Um, you go to hardwoods and ridges and pines and all this stuff, things that I didn't really understand. And I had never really hunted, um, not much anyways. And, uh, just kind of left to figure it out on my own. Um, I moved here because I was working in, uh, in church ministry. I was a worship pastor for Oh uh, ma'am, about 12 years or so. Um, basically since I graduated high school, high school all the way till I was 30, 31. And so, um, recently just, uh, resigned my position at the church and went full-time working for myself doing graphic design and website design, uh, on a company called White Hawk Creative Co. And, uh, I do that on top of the, all the hunting stuff, YouTube and podcasts and stuff. So. That's kind of kind of my life. Married and got two awesome little kids, a boy and a girl. And uh, man, they're I'm actually just just was talking to my dad. He's on his way over here right now from Texas. We're gonna hunt this week, and we were gonna try to figure out a time to take them on their first deer hunt this weekend. So um, it should be pretty pretty stinking cool. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's... I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're taking them squirrel hunting. Um, which I'm not a small game hunter. Like I, I've never really done that, but I've tried to learn how to do it. Like I've been watching videos and reading articles on how to do this stuff better so that they can enjoy it. And we managed to kill a couple squirrels and they've loved it. My, my son, he is obsessed with the, like, like the killing it and eating it. <laughs> you know, like he, he doesn't want He doesn't care. He I don't really care about anything else other than I want to cut it up and I want to eat it. Like, I think he likes the blood and guts a little bit, um, like most little boys do. <laughs> and dude, he will, the first time we did the, we did the squirrel and he ate it, that kid cleaned his plate. And I was like, this is awesome, man. Like if I can raise my kid to see the value in that part rather than the, the kill, man, I feel like I've been doing a pretty good job as a dad. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's very cool, man. That's a yeah. That's a, that's a fun time when they get that age to where they can start tagging along with you and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I miss those days. I got my my two are quite a bit older now, but I certainly I remember those those early trips for sure. Just got to lower your expectations. That's the main thing to yeah. uh, taking kids out with you. You know, don't you can't take things too seriously for sure. Well, Sunday is when we're planning on taking them. Sunday afternoon, and the weather's pretty crappy. Sunday afternoon, so I was like, might as well take them that day because because they're they're five and three, so they're not okay. quite 
age where they can really like traverse the woods very well. Like I've taken them a couple of times uh, out in the woods and stuff. And I mean, they get caught up in a briar and it's the end of the world. So we're going to have to find, we're gonna have to try to find something pretty easy for them to get around in. Um, and I don't have any private land to hunt. So it's going to be all public land and um, try to find a spot. I'm going to try to find a spot that's easy to get to and also doesn't have a bunch of people running around it. So that ought to be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. My, mine would usually end up curled up on my jacket in the bottom of the blind or something asleep before, before it was yeah. all over. <laughs> but yep. oh, but Man, yeah, it's good times. I a girl on her first turkey hunt last year. And honestly, man, like I wasn't expecting anything. We were going to go sit in a, sit in a shooting or a, not a shooting house, a pop-up blind on a food plot with some decoys, which is not how I typically turkey hunt. And, uh, I had her iPad there. She was watching her iPad. She did the same thing, man. Just laid there and went to sleep. And then dang turkey started gobbling. <laughs> I was like, crap, what do we do? Cause I, I ain't just going to like leave it. And I was like, baby, you sit right here. I'm going to go down into this holler and I'm going to try to kill this turkey. And, no, daddy, please. No, <laughs> here. So I had her on my back and I'm like carrying all this camera equipment, a five-year-old little girl, a shotgun. I got all this crap trying to kill this bird and uh, end up getting over there to it. And then he gobbles right in the food plot that we had just been sitting over. Oh, so, no. You know, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> well, how how did you, I guess, kind of get started? Because like you said there, you, you hunt public land and that's kind of, you know, what you're known for, uh, among other things. So how, how did that all start? How did how did you get it? Was it just out of necessity or do you prefer hunting public land? Um, It was both. Honestly, it was a it was a mixture of uh, like I had been on a, a hunting club here in Alabama for one season and it was so uh, this is this is roundabout way of saying this I moved here when I was 18 moved to Georgia lived in Georgia um for a couple years then moved back here in like 2015 I think I think it was 2015 um and I had hunted public land a little bit uh just not a ton and at that point and so it may have been 2014. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh, I'd hunted public land just a little bit, but I got on this club and didn't see hardly any deer. I was, I was really, really like, dude, it was like right around the time when I started consuming a lot of content, like strategy content. Uh, Cause like I said, I was raised in West Texas. There's not a lot of strategy <laughs> in, over a, a corn feeder in the same deer blind every single time you hunt. Like it's just, it's just what the guys do out there. And that's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fun as heck. But when you go somewhere that's a little bit harder, less deer, um, at the time, baiting was not legal in Alabama. So there is no corn on the ground unless it's illegal. Um, like you gotta, you gotta actually at that point learn how to deer hunt. Like you thought you were a deer hunter then. Now you gotta learn how to deer hunt. Well, I'm learning and, and really like taking in all this stuff. And, uh, I didn't, I, w- I wasn't seeing the, the type of deer that I, I wanted to. And so we were about to buy our first house. So, or we had just bought our first house. Money was really tight. 
couldn't afford to get on another lease on another hunting club. And I was like, you know what? I mean, it really doesn't matter. I was stressing about it, man. I was like, it really doesn't matter. I just hunt public land. And there's a longer story to that. Like, um, I started looking at all this water and I, I was a kayak fisherman. I'd always done a bunch of bass tournaments with my kayak and stuff. So I had this kayak and I started looking at all this water around the state and seeing all this public land around it. And I was like, man, how freaking cool would it be to go and like paddle out on some of these pieces of land that you can't get to by foot and throw a deer on this kayak and, and paddle it out. Like it doesn't even matter at that point, like how big deer is, that's just cool. And, uh, so it was really within, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty impulsive, but it was like an impulsive decision. Like <laughs> through getting on a club, through lease, through private land, I'm going to go full tilt on this public land thing. And if I don't kill anything, which I'm probably not, who cares? This is cool as crap. You know, like it's an adventure every single time. And so that was kind of long, long way of getting to that's how I started really doing the, the public land thing and using the water access kind of at the same time, um, which I didn't realize this then, but that was going to be the thing that not only is it an adventure every single time you go, it's a little more adventurous. It's also a pretty solid way to deer hunt, you know, like it's a solid way to get away from people and, um, you know, deer wildlife in general, pretty much drawn to water anyway. So you're already in a lot of the places where they want to be. And so it was, um, I I thought it was going to make my life harder and it actually made my hunting a little bit better. Like I started having these encounters with deer and, uh, haven't slowed up since, man. It's been awesome. I, I graduated from the kayak. I still use it from time to time when it's, when a boat isn't necessary or when you can't get a boat into the water. But I, uh, I recently bought a, uh, flat bottom boat with a 20 horsepower motor on it. Golly, I freaking love that thing. Yeah. Now, how, <clears throat> how long did it take you to start, you know, seeing some success on public land? Did, did you start? killing deer right away from your kayak or did it, did it take a little while? I'll be honest with you. It was pretty much immediate. Like, (laughs) um, I'm, I'm dude, I'm such a competitive person. I'm so stinking competitive. And, and it's most of the time it's just being competitive with my own self. Like I just want to be better than what I did last year or whatever. Uh, and so Whenever I find something that I really like, I, I get hyper focused on something. I'm not going to stop until I have figured it out in its fullness. And while we know that good hunters, good deer hunters, never quite have it figured out completely, um, you just get better and better and better. But I remember going out my first on opening day of bow season, uh, my first time using the kayak, which was like it, it was stupid. I should have done a practice run. I didn't do anything. I was still using a climber then, like all this stuff. So like I had this big giant climber strapped onto my little kayak, you know, and I was like trying to figure out how the best way to do all that on in the dark, you know. And uh, I get to the spot that I'd scouted in the summer and uh, I see a doe and a fawn that first day. And I was like, holy crap, you are a freaking of a deer hunter parker like that's what i'm telling myself like you saw a deer 
on opening day, you know, I thought it was just like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, like I was really patting myself on the back, but through that season, that was actually the first season that I tagged out. Um, and I killed one buck that was, you know, my first public land deer that wasn't, you know, he wasn't anything crazy. He wasn't like a, a big deer or anything, but I was so jacked. Like I got a buck in my kayak. That's awesome. I killed a doe. I killed two does that year, that six point. I killed another one that was like a seven point and he was, you know, a little bit bigger, uh, probably two and a half year old deer. And then I killed a three and a half year old eight point, which was a pretty nice buck to tag out with, um, that season. And it was like, dude, I, I thought like, I'm never, I'm never going to hunt another way. Like (laughs) proof's in the pudding, right? Like when you find something that works, stick with it. And I've just, I've just stuck with it. And, uh, every year it seems to be, seems to be pretty productive except for this year. This year's kind of (laughs) stuff. Well, I guess, uh, you can expand on that a little bit. How, how has, uh, this season gone for you so far? Obviously not very good, but what, what's, uh, what's some of the stories there? So last year, last year was pretty rough. Um, it, it was rough. Like I struggled until December the 1st. Once December the 1st got here, I went on a tear. And cause our rut where I, for anybody who doesn't know, Alabama has really strange rut timing. Um, so you'll have some ruts in November. Uh, you'll have some rut. I think there's, there's some like early November, um, some around Thanksgiving, uh, beginning of December for a a lot of areas. And it's not really like consistent. Like you'll have a December rut right here where I'm at. And then 150 miles, 200 miles away, you have another place that's got a December rut. Like, it's not like they're all connected. And then you have a bunch of January and February type ruts. And so where I hunt is in December. So all through, uh, I killed a pretty decent buck last year in Kentucky. And then, uh, but, but other than that, like my early season was, pretty much just full of flocking does. Like that's all I did the whole time. And, uh, I didn't even see, I saw a spike in a six point last year, uh, in Alabama before November, the uh, November, the 27th, I think. And I hunted about every day. So that kind of tell gives you an idea of the deer density and the buck to doe ratio. It's just really bad. But once December 1st got here, I went on a tear and I was tagged out. I had all three of my bucks, pretty nice deer. Um, by December, the uh, 13th, I think. So within two weeks right there, I killed all three of my bucks this year. I was, you know, like it surely it's not going to be as bad as last year, <laughs> dude. It was freaking worse. I saw less bucks. I saw less deer in general. Um, I got kidney stones at the beginning of November. And, uh, for anybody who's had those, they are demonic. They suck. <laughs> really. Um, and then I got the flu on top of the kidney stone. So I had both of those together. So all of my November plans got changed. Like I was supposed to be gone for two weeks, uh, from the first to the 16th of November. And I got to leave, I got to go for about four days to Kentucky and Tennessee. So it really was not at all what I expected. So that kind of put me in a bad place mentally. Um, put me behind on a lot of my work then cause I couldn't really work. And so once I did get to feeling better, I was just trying to catch up on work stuff. And so now we get here into December and it's like 80 degrees raining <laughs> almost a single day when it's supposed to be like the prime rut, like just absolutely incredible. And I've had, 
I did. A, I had a new type moment last week. Um, when you have seasons like this where you're not seeing big deer, uh, you kind of forget what big deer look like. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. Um, but when you haven't seen a lot of them in a in a, any given season, you kind of just forget like how they move and what they look like. And so last Saturday I was up in the tree and I had a buck chase a doe down in front of me and which was cool because I hadn't seen a lot of that yet this year. And he chased her right in front of me and she came right by me. He got held up in the thick stuff and I couldn't get a good look at him. So as he's walking away, I can see him. I'm like, man, it's a rack deer. He looks pretty decent. Like, it's hard to tell though because it's so thick in there. So once he hit the opening, I shot him and I got up to him. It was not at all what I had, you know, been holding out for. So I, I was I wasn't mad about it. Like it was nice to finally kill a buck in Alabama this year, but it just really wasn't the caliber of deer that I wanted to shoot. And so that kind of put me in a bad place mentally too. So yeah, that's kind of where that's where I've been at this season. It's just been like kind of like, golly, do you even need to be in the deer woods? You know, yeah. Well, I think I think sometimes it's it's good to do that, though. You know, that you talking about taking that deer, and and you know, it's not obviously not always about the the size of the buck or whatever. I know, I know, I'm kind of in that place now, just through. Um, you know, I won't get into detail, but just through some family stuff with my my elderly parents, I'm I'm not getting to hunt much this year at all. And man, I'm I'm to that point now that you know when I do get out. And nothing safe <laughs> you know yeah. it may not have to be the biggest buck uh that that's gonna get a tag put on it if i get the opportunity so yeah, well, i think yeah. it's i think it's okay to adjust your your expectations sometimes like that you do and um like for me anybody who anybody who's familiar with my podcast or my youtube channel or anything like that i don't have i don't have a standard that I'm really going by all the time. So like sometimes, you know, sometimes you just, you just got to get the monkey off your back or sometimes last year, last season I was in North Dakota and we just got our butts kicked the, re- the whole trip. And the last day, the very last day of the trip, I had a, like a, I don't remember if it was a, I think it was a six point, maybe a four point. I can't, I can't remember. It was a little velvet, like, like tiny buck. And I was like, I'm about to send it. And I did. I used my North Dakota because I'm not going back to North Dakota that season, right? Like, might as well, might yeah. as well kill it while I'm there, get some early season meat on the ground. Like, it was just one of those things. So, like, I don't have a problem shooting a buck that's, you know, uh, a young deer if the, if the situation calls for it. Here at home, though, it was, it, it's one of those things where I get to hunt just about every day because I, I work for myself, so I've got time. And now that I have that time, I want to hold off for a deer that that I'm really looking for. Uh, and that's kind of where that's kind of how. If I got to the last week of the season and I hadn't killed a buck, like I'm, I'm gonna send it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when I when you have the amount of time to invest in something, you know, like I said, I'm super competitive, and so I want to, I want to, you know, be the best, be the best. Uh, this sounds like super motivational. It's not supposed to, be, but I want to be the best me that I can be in here at, at my and my home area, my home range. So I want to, I want to really be able to capitalize on uh, having that amount of time. If I didn't have that amount of time, absolutely, I wouldn't have a problem with shooting the buck that I shot last week. 
you know, it's just one of those things. Like, and I'm not, I, I, I absolutely hate seeing the posts on Facebook that say something like, well, not my biggest deer, <laughs> but blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. It was just one of those things that I didn't do anything illegal. Um, you know, it, it, we don't have a, a point restriction. He would actually, if it was a four on one side, he was a seven point. So he would have passed the point point restriction anyways. But, um, we don't have, I'm, I have no repercussions. He was my first of three buck tags. I still have two buck tags left, which is more than most states. So it wasn't like I, I have anything like there's like a serious issue with me shooting that deer. There's not. But I just kind of wish that I, I learned something. I think we can do that every single time. Every time you pull the trigger, really, every time you step foot into the woods, um, try to learn something. Try to figure out something that came from that that scenario. And in that case, what I learned was, man, if, if, if you're not sure, then don't shoot. If you're not sure if he's the type of buck that you're looking for, then just hold off. You might feel better about it. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's easy to say that after the fact <laughs> what if he's a 150 you know there's no way of knowing yeah so. well, i know one thing you got to do last season that that was really cool it was um spend some time hunting with with mark kenyon of wired to hunt i know he he came down your way to uh to try out the the whole water access you know deer hunting as, as part of a video series he was doing for meat eater um how, how was that whole experience Man, that was awesome. And I kind of got to relive it a little bit yesterday. Yesterday, I got uh, Facebook memories popped up of uh, uh, some pictures from that trip and one of the the bucks that I killed while he was here. And, um, dude, it was it was so much fun. Like, guys like that, um, you have this idea, right? Like, you have this idea that <clears throat> they may be kind of like a kind of a diva. And you had... <laughs> he had two camera guys and two producers that were there with him. And so, you know, you're kind of sitting there before the trip and I talked to Mark quite a bit before that, but you just never know how somebody's going to be on a hunting trip. I'm telling you, dude, that that guy is the most genuine person I have ever met. Like he's just so stinking cool. Um, I love, I love his outlook on deer hunting. We, we share, I mean, Mark kills, he's killed, I think three absolute hammers this year. And last year he came to Alabama. He lowered his standard. He understood where he was at and dude killed a buck. Like, I don't know anybody from Michigan that's come to Alabama as a non-resident and killed a deer. <laughs> not on public land. I mean, I, I'm sure they exist somewhere, but I've never heard about them. Like the fact that he was able to do that. And, and I'm telling you, hand on the Bible, I did not tell Mark where to go hunt. Did not tell him. He saw the area. I said, hey, that's a good area. I didn't tell him a spot. Actually, where he killed the buck that he shot. I'd never been there before. I'd never hunted it. Um, so that whole thing was pretty cool. Like, uh, you see people um, with guys like Mark, they they kind of give them a hard time online with memes and junk like that. Uh, because Mark is a very transparent person. He puts all of his faults and uh mistakes up there for everybody else to see and learn from so you got some people who kind of take advantage of that and say stupid crap um i'm telling you mark showed me in that on that trip that he's a heck of a deer hunter and he knows what the heck he's doing so 
Oh yeah, we had a great time. All the crew, the camera guys, the two producers, man, just freaking awesome, <laughs> awesome guys. And y'all both, did y'all both get bucks in the same day, or was that different yeah. days? Yeah. Yeah, we shot them. Really cool. I shot mine that morning. Uh, he missed a pretty decent deer that morning, and then, um, and then he shot. I think around like one o'clock that afternoon, he shot one, and uh, so we got two bucks hanging up on the big oak tree at camp. It was it was so cool, man. It was like one of those trips. That, I mean, because a guy like me, like I'm thinking. Man, how cool! I know I'm not gonna. My video is not gonna be on a meat eater channel, but how cool would it be to while they're while they're here, like shoot a pretty good buck? That'd be awesome, and it'd also be cool if Mark could shoot a, shoot a buck too. Like that'd be that's about as good as it can possibly be, and that's exactly what happened. And it was just it was just perfect, man. We got to uh, put our bucks on the kayaks together, get them out of camp. It was like just ended it with. Uh, a trip to Waffle House. Guys, <laughs> those guys from Bozeman don't get that too often. So we just show them how us, us guys in the South do it. And it was about perfect. Yeah, that, that that's really cool. And yeah, I got I got respect for anybody that can come in from out of state to uh, Alabama there and kill a kill a buck on public land. Because I went, I guess it's two two years ago now. I went over and, and not that I think killing a public land, uh, deer on public land in Georgia's, uh, uh, you know, an easy feat either, but yeah. uh, coming from Georgia over to Alabama, yeah, me and a buddy got our tails kicked. I mean, we didn't even see a deer from the stands. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that's, um, so you're talking about a state that, I mean, we have a pretty liberal bag limit as far as, uh, if you're, if you're a bow hunter only, you can shoot a doe every single day of the season. And, uh, and you can shoot and still shoot your three bucks. I mean, I don't, I know Florida has five bucks, five buck limit. Is there another state that has more? I don't know. A, um, yeah, I don't know. South Carolina maybe has a, a fairly yeah. liberal harvest, but yeah, not outside of the, those few deep South states. Yeah. You know, most states are one or two bucks. Yeah. And so, but that's pretty recent, even for Alabama. Like I remember, um, when I was younger, I mean, you're talking about probably 15 years ago. Uh, you could shoot a buck every day of the season <laughs> here. You could shoot a buck and a doe every day of the season, as many as you want. And so, like, it, it's not that our habitat's bad, um, and that we don't have the we don't have the capacity for a lot of deer or big deer. We, I, I believe that we do in in some parts of the state for sure. It's just it, that's hard to recover from. It's hard to recover from that in, you know, a decade. I doubt you'll see a, a recovery until like a like a true, a real, like noticeable recovery of population and quality until, you know, maybe 20 years. It, it could be, you know, before it gets back to what it should be. And, and I know Alabama, Alabama does have compared to a lot of the states got a pretty high deer density, but. I believe that it's more pocketed. Um, the The northern part of the state is pretty pretty low deer density. Um, north and central. But now you go to South Alabama, driving down the road at night, it's just there's deer everywhere. They're all over the place. Oh, um, yeah, but, I mean that but was still quality is not. You don't have like crazy big giant deer, right? 
Yeah, I mean that was what blew my mind. It wasn't it wasn't a lack of deer. I mean the sign was incredible where we hunted. Um, I mean there were, there was no lack of sign. In fact, it was everywhere. That was that was part of the problem. And uh, so it was just you know getting on them. And we seen deer scouting. You know we bumped deer and stuff. But it was just uh, boy we couldn't get on them. But yeah, it's uh, it's some some tough hunting. It's different. Uh, you know I'm a I'm a transplant as well. You you talked earlier about that different hunting culture, you know, coming from West Texas to Alabama, I'm originally from Kentucky and it wasn't, it's not so much that the habitat is a whole lot different. There's some differences, but the, de- the culture was definitely different that the hunting club mentality and stuff um, was something that I wasn't accustomed to up in Kentucky. So that it's definitely, that was kind of what I, I'd done public land hunting previously worked on public lands, but that's really kind of what pushed me to, to become a, full-time public land hunter was was just that you know i I tried the hunting club thing as well a a little bit and it just uh wasn't for me so man i'll tell you every time it when when i'm out in the cold and it's raining and it's cold and the wind's blowing and i'm stoked golly i miss those days of sitting in the deer blind (laughs) cal i ain't too good to admit it i miss it a lot i know i know for me like mentally like i I appreciate a deer that I worked for and killed on public land. And I figured it out and, you know, running gun set up type stuff. I appreciate those deer a little bit more, but man, some days you just need some comfort. <laughs> like you need to be comfortable and hunt and really seek and relax. I think hunting is supposed to be, it's supposed to be relaxing and it's supposed to be uh, kind of a release for you. And a lot of times with, when hunting becomes your lifestyle and this, specifically this type of hunting uh it it really isn't like i'm looking forward to days that i can rest and take off for a little bit um it's a dangerous spot to get into i think um like it sounds really cool to be like yeah we hiked 14 miles up this mountain and packed this buck out but was it relaxing (laughs) like i feel like sometimes we do need those moments where we can just go and relax, have fun. I thought so I'm looking forward to taking my kids out. No pressure. I don't, I, I'm, I'm low expectations, but we're just going to go and enjoy, enjoy it for what it is and really what it should be all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking on that, you know, talking about the, the difficulty and sometimes hunting the, the South, you know, you've, you've branched out now. You mentioned, you know, hunting North Dakota and I know you've hunted Kentucky and, and Tennessee and maybe some other states in there. What, uh, I guess what what are some some differences you've you've kind of found there along the way between hunting the Alabama and the and the deep south versus some of these other states? Man, I don't know what it is. Um and you you might. I mean, you might know exactly what it is uh because of the organization that you work for. But I, I don't know what it is about like Kentucky. For me, when I go to Kentucky and hunt out in the hills, the hardwoods, you know, not a lot of crops around, hunt those hills. Um, I hunt it very similar to the way that I hunt the hills here in Alabama. But the deer, they, they, I mean, they, they navigate similar, but they act different. Like deer in the rut, big bucks chasing does out in the wide open hardwoods. And I cannot for the life of me figure out why is that big buck that far away from any kind of cover and that's what you see in Kentucky. In Alabama, you, you don't even see that hardly during the rut. Like, 
it's a rare occurrence. You might see a little buck chasing a doe through some pretty woods, but <clears throat> for the most part, those bigger bucks are going to still be holding real tight to those thickets. And <clears throat> that's a big thing. You know, uh, the way that deer spook out here, I feel like if, if my wind goes into a thicket that you can pretty much mark that spot off for a few weeks. Whereas, you know, in Kentucky, North Dakota, you spook a deer, like you hear guys like, uh, the DeQuistos talk about doing bump and dumps. Like that works really, really well in the Midwest and the Northern States that I've hunted in. It does not work that great here in Alabama. It <laughs> might work. It might work, but I feel like every time I've ever tried it, I didn't see a deer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've never seen it work here. Um, and there's just little things like that, just about the way that the deer act. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that Kentucky has more deer. Um, I don't, I don't actually know what the numbers are, but I know that you, if you go in the right time of the season, you're going to see more deer for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Um, I've, I've looked at, I've looked at like, uh, density numbers before. And I think I want to say in 2015, Alabama ranked as like number four in the state or in the, in the country. And I'm thinking, there's just no stinking way that that is true. I don't see how <laughs> it's true because all these other states that I've hunted, Mississippi, I went and hunted Mississippi last year. I mean, not far from the Alabama state line. And I mean, there were deer in places that you would never find deer in Alabama. You know what I mean? Just right off the roads. I, I, so I don't, I don't really know what it is that's different, but I, I know that when I go to those states, I, typically see more deer and I typically see more good deer. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely just coming from Kentucky myself. There, there's some, some difference there in, in the hunting for sure. And, and I don't have it pegged down either. I mean, I, I think some of it, there's definitely more thick cover down here um, than, than there is in, in, or at least where I hunted in Kentucky, grew up hunting in Kentucky. And, uh, and, you know, you also have Kentucky has a, 16 day i think firearm season you know and georgia has i don't even know how many days we have here in georgia but it's a it's a bunch it's yep. all of november december and yeah so about about three months of, of gun hunting here in georgia so huge difference there in the in the pressure for sure and and i was i was on a thread um i try not to get too terribly involved on facebook threads <laughs> I used to, and I try not to do it anymore. Usually if I say something, it's going to be, uh, like just kind of funny, you know, not, not terribly, not terribly, uh, mean or rude or anything like that. But this guy was talking about, he said something about Wisconsin. He was like, who's got it worse, Michigan or Wisconsin for hunting pressure. And I said on there, I said, uh, Behold my southern brethren as the northerners act like their states are hard to hunt. Probably shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> you know, now that you think about it, it's like, ah, shouldn't have said that. Um, but I, I see these guys from like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin Wisconsin's like, correct me if I'm wrong, they they consistently produce the most record book deer, correct? Or Boone and Crockett deer? Yeah, I believe so. I know it. I know it used to be, and I'm sure they're still up there and you know near the top. But yeah, they they produce a lot of Boone and Crockett buck. So you're talking about like <laughs> a guy from Wisconsin talking about how hard it is. It's like, bro, you're in one of like the best states in the United States. Um, 
but a buddy of mine that's from Pennsylvania, he posted this video of, uh, like hundreds of deer laying dead at a processor and like really, really solid bucks, like good bucks. Probably 75% of them are, are deer that I would shoot right now. Um, just really, really good deer. And it was from opening day of rifle season. And I'm like, listen, I, I, I cannot argue with you that, I mean, Pennsylvania has the most hunters. That, I mean, that's proven. They have, they have a ton of hunters, but it also seems like they have a lot of opportunity as well. Um, if you've got a processor looking like that on opening day, you <laughs> could probably take all the processors in the county where I live and it ain't going to look like that on opening day. Um, so yeah, you've got a lot of people out there hunting, but the, there's, there's definitely more opportunity for big deer. And, and you see that with, with Michigan as well. I, I have a buddy that went and hunted Michigan. He's from Georgia. He went and hunted Michigan. I was just curious. I asked him, I was like, you know, I hear a lot of Michigan guys talk about how hard it is hunting there. Uh, what were your thoughts? He was like, bro, it's not even close to the South. Um, and I'm not here to say that where I hunt's the hardest place to hunt. I don't believe it is. But I do think there is a big difference between southern deer and northern mid or midwestern deer, uh, just in the way that they act. Um, and and again, maybe it is the the super long rifle seasons that we have that just trains them to act spooky all the time, um, because they're getting they they, they watch their mama get blasted at three hundred yards. <laughs> some guy. Uh, their first year of life, you know, so like maybe that's what it is. Um, whereas these northern states, they have shorter gun seasons. I mean, they they they're they're long compared to a lot of the Midwest and the North, but compared to what we have down here, it's just way way shorter. I would be I would be stoked if our if our rifle season here could get knocked down to about six weeks. I think we would start to see a. And I'm not a professional. I don't work in this field or anything like that. This is all just opinion really that's all it is um i think we would i do think we would start to see a little bit of a difference in the way that our deer act and especially the way that the mature bucks act uh and i don't know uh, that's just kind of my take on it yeah yeah it's 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 definitely a different ball game i mean where you know wherever you go um things are going to be a, a little different from one place to another but i guess on the on the flip side of that have any 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 similarities you've seen you know going from from these different state to state i mean are are there some things that seem to be universal truths when it comes to, to hunting these deer absolutely terrain is pretty universal um where i find sign seems to be pretty universal like when i go i spend probably as far as out of state stuff goes i probably spend the most time in kentucky every year and, um, you know, it, in the hills, you find a bench or a flat or a saddle and you're going to find buck sign. You're going to find scrapes. If you find a thicket, you're going to find buck sign. You're going to find rubs and scrapes. Probably going to find deer around it. The buck I killed this year in Kentucky was actually a very Alabama looking spot. Like I found the thickest cover I possibly could and went in blind and shot a buck in there. And so it was like, I, I do believe that when you hunt the South uh, and, and you hunt thick cover, a lot of these Midwestern states don't have it. They don't have a lot of it. But when you can pinpoint it and identify it, um, you're going to find 
I, I still think you're going to find the best deer activity around it. Um, so vegetation, thick cover, and absolutely terrain. Like I, I try to hunt. Uh, there's a guy I had on my podcast. His name's Jeremy Aaron. He's from the Do It Yourself Hunter YouTube channel. This guy, he is an absolute stud of a deer hunter. He's a killer. And he said something in the podcast. He said, you know, when I'm looking, I asked him basically, uh, I said, you always seem, when you go out of state, you seem to kill deer and big deer every single time. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm trying to find places that look like the terrain and habitat looks like what I have at home because I know how to hunt what I have at home. And he's in, he's out of Mississippi. So if he finds something in Kansas that lays out similar to what he hunts in Mississippi, but you can bet that there's going to be more deer in Kansas. He's going to have more opportunity at a mature deer in Kansas. And so that's kind of how he's, how he has done his out of state uh, scheduling, I guess. Yeah. Well, when he decides to go out of state, he goes to those places that look like home. But I've hunted a lot of swamp, uh, like swampy land in South Alabama and even some up in North Alabama. And when I hunt the same type of stuff in the Midwest, the deer just move around it the exact same way. Um, there may be like little subtle differences as far as their food sources. Midwest has more crops, whereas we don't have a lot of that here. Um, so that's going to change things a little bit. But just as far as like, um, you know, running the edges or finding those land bridges in a swamp, and it always seems to be very consistent. Yeah. Well, kind of kind of jumping back to um, the the water access thing. I'm curious, you know, with with the, you know, it seems to be increasing in, in popularity. You know, you see it a lot now uh, with with different, uh, you know, YouTubers or influencers, what, whatever you want to call them. You, you know, you see a lot more folks using boat access now. Are are you is that is that translating to out there in the field? Are you seeing running into more guys and boats as you're uh, you're hunting these your usual spots? I guess, man. Yes and no. Um, early in the season, I see more people than I used to. Uh, I had a situation here where uh, some local guys were running around telling everybody that they had found all of the spots that Parker was hunting. <laughs> uh, they found them, and they put cell cameras on every single one of them. They were going to kill every deer in there. Uh, and they had actually bragged to a buddy of mine, not knowing that he was a buddy of mine. And so he sent me, my, my buddy told me all about it. He's like, these guys are telling people that they're like your spots. He sent me a pin. He's like, I, I said, I said, Hey, find out where, find out where they think I'm hunting and let me know. Uh, and so he sent me a pin. He said, this is where he, he told me. And I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's <pretty laughs> spot. Um, now at that point it was one of my favorite areas one of my best areas. Um, but here's the thing, like with that, Still doesn't make a huge difference. Um, I don't. I, I don't think it makes just a gigantic difference uh, <clears throat> because in the early season they got all this. I mean, they've been watching YouTube all summer long, listening to podcasts all summer long, whatever. Probably mostly watching YouTube with these kind of people who are going to spot steal like that or or YouTube scout. They probably don't know what the heck they're doing in in the first place, and so. Like they're putting all their eggs in the basket of that's going to be the spot that produces. Um, when in reality, they don't see that I'm hunting every single day and most days I'm not seeing deer. Like I'm, 
you've got to have that determination. You got to have the education, right? Like why, why are the deer there? Well, if they're just going on YouTube and trying to find spots that way, um, they're probably not going to know why the deer are even there in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah um, oh yeah, absolutely. And so, so those type of people, I'm not at all, I'm really not concerned about. Um, and like, for example, this morning, uh, when I was, I went out in the boat, it was, we were under a fog advisory because it's just been so hot and muggy and rainy and stuff. And, uh, I had a five mile boat ride in the fog. I mean, it's, it's kind of creepy, dude, by yourself. It's, it's creepy with somebody else too, but I was hitting like driftwood logs. Like it was like butt clenching type stuff. (laughs) And if you don't really want it, like if you don't really want it, that style of hunting is probably not going to be for you. And you're probably not going to be able to talk yourself into doing it all the time. And so it, it takes a pretty specific type of person. And I'm not saying I'm not, I, I hope people don't translate this as I'm saying like, Oh, I'm just so hardcore. Nobody can keep up. It's not true. I have run into uh, a few guys out here um, that man, they've got it and they've, they've got it figured out and they heard about this water access stuff and their wheels went to spinning and they're killing deer and they're doing great. And honestly, not worried about those kind of guys either because I know that they are um, being very, they're being as cautious as I am probably on their access and going into those spots. And, and so the pressure is, is still pretty minimal. And when I say a few guys, I mean, literally a few guys are hunting thousands and thousands of acres of this public property. Um, I mean, that's about as low a pressure as you could ever ask for when it comes to hunting public land. And so while, yeah, I'm seeing a little bit, man, when I go to other states, when I go to Kentucky and do water access, it's the same thing. I hunted, I hunted opening week of Kentucky season this year. And there are people everywhere. The most boats that I saw at the boat ramp was three. So, I mean, that's more boats than I used to see, but still, that's not that many. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it'll probably get, it'll probably get worse as time goes on. You know, you can imagine it, it, it may get worse. It, it may not though. It, you may see the trend. You may see things start trending away from public land hunting. You know, right now it's, it's like the end thing and everybody wants to do it and everybody wants to, you know, go kill their big public land buck. But I mean, if all you've got is, if all you're doing is trying to do it because it's cool and because it's trendy and you're not actually learning how to do it, then it, it's going to be a short lived season of public land hunting for you because it's hard. It's not easy. That's why it's so rewarding whenever it works out is because it is much harder. And so in this day and age, right, everybody's kind of looking for easy way to do everything. And there's just really not an easy way to hunt public land deer. It just, I don't, I don't think it exists. Um, you can have some States that are a little bit easier than others, but still, I mean, like I said, I got my teeth kicked in in North Dakota and North Dakota's great destination place for deer hunt. Um, so I hope that kind of answers the question. Like I, I have seen a little more pressure, but I haven't really seen a lot of, uh, like negative pressure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you kind of see the, the same thing, even 
on foot access, you know, kind of what you were talking about there. Guys, they've, they've seen all the, this content and stuff and they know, oh, I got to get deep. I got to get deep. But most of them, what they'll, or what I've noticed is, is, you know, they'll walk that mile or two in, but they still don't want to get more than a hundred yards off the, the path or the trail, you know, the easy access. It, they don't mind the walk, but they don't want to get, you know, that far away from, from a known trail or path or, or easy access out, you know, so. Dave, uh, Dave Owens from Finhody Project, he posted something really interesting this past turkey season about exactly what you're saying, that, that somebody did a study and, and this is going to be a loose quote because I don't remember exactly everything that it, that it said verbatim, but basically they did this study of all these hunters and tracked all these hunters and where they were going. And this particular WMA was full of hunters and lots of people, but um, only like 30% of the land was being touched. Like most of them were just going and, you know, walking down the, the trails and calling and then walking back to the truck. They might walk, <laughs> they might walk six, a six mile loop around all day, but they never got off of that trail. Right. And it, he was basically saying that 60% of the property during the, during the season or during that particular study, wasn't even being touched by people. That's a lot of real estate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. They were out there and they were putting pressure on the birds a little bit to where the birds knew like, Hey, if, if a hen starts going nuts up on that trail, I'm probably not going to gobble back, <laughs> you know, uh, and or, or all the birds that were in those areas already got, they got killed really quick. But man, I've found um, one particular place. This is moving away from deer hunting a little bit, but uh, talking about turkeys, it's the same way. I mean, pressure with turkeys might even be a little more detrimental than with deer. But I found this spot in Tennessee that gets absolutely pounded with people in the first part of the season. Well, we went in May and I just kind of got, I, I did, it wasn't necessary for me to use my kayak to get around the property. Uh, it was like, I could have walked through it pretty easy, but I thought if this place, I mean, obviously there's still turkeys here because we're here at them gobbling. Uh, we're here at them gobble at fly down around fly down. So there's still birds in here. I'm just going to take a different access route and get around them and come from a spot where they don't typically hear people. Uh, they don't get pressured from that direction. Went in there, birds everywhere, like <laughs> tons of turkeys. And so, you know, I think with deer even as well, deer are, are more capable of reason than turkeys are for sure. And so I think with a deer, you can really use creative access and creative ways it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be water access it might be you know just a longer route to walk around and and access a property from a way that they haven't been pressured very much and you might you might end up at the exact same spot to hunt as you would but because you access it differently the deer are going to respond differently um and so that was, I mean, that's a big thing for me whenever it comes to water access is why I like doing it so much is because it, it really, it, I'll tell you this, it beats the heck out of walking miles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Downhill drag have, most of the time I would think. So <laughs> I, I don't have to, I mean, really you, you think about it when you get out of your boat 
most of the time you're in you're deep you're as deep as you can go right like if you were to walk in from somewhere that would be the that would be quote unquote going deep and so like most of the time i'm walking you know less than a quarter mile from my boat uh quarter mile at the at the most usually uh and and i think that i'm successful with it just because it's a it's a uh direction that the deer are not used to, the deer and turkeys are not used to receiving pressure yeah that makes sense yeah my my best public land buck I, i've discovered was bedding right near the the access trail you know where people were walking in and i just found it by happenstance but you know found found the bed had already been getting him on trail camera and yeah that was all it took was you know coming in a, a different way i made a big loop around and set up on the back side rather than walking down the trail every other hunter walked down mm-hmm. and uh and of course there was a lot of luck involved with that all working out but it but it did and i was able to, to kill that buck but and i and i think that probably plays a bigger part than a lot of guys realize just your your entrance and exit strategies on these places absolutely and and i would encourage anybody if you don't know if you don't understand how thermals work figure it out like consume as much content about it as you possibly can because i think not understanding thermals is probably most people's biggest downside of hunting like that's their biggest mistake man when you access in the mornings access low if thermals are going to be pulling every single morning unless the wind is just crazy heavy um learn how to learn how to access a spot the least uh being the least intrusive as possible um i, I always try to access my I, I think about my access more than i think about the spot i could hunt most areas that i hunt on any wind but i can't access on any wind direction and and I think that that is probably, I, I see people going into areas, for example, last year on opening day, I didn't hunt. I just went and basically scouted around the areas that I do hunt to see how many boats were out. And I was looking at where these boats were parked and I was like, man, your hunt was over before it ever even started because you didn't access it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right on it. Like, access is the most important what if not the most important it's one of the most important parts of your entire hunt yeah and i did it i mean i did it for years you know took took that direct easiest direct path to you know had had him had in my mind where i was going and you know i was just going to walk straight there never thought about you know where where my scent was blowing and you know how many deer i was bumping out on along the way and um yeah so and of course, I I didn't have a lot of success back then. So, and I'll tell you what, man. Now that I know the difference, um, there are some places uh, in Kentucky, for example. I don't always water access in Kentucky. I do whenever it makes sense. Sometimes I don't. Um, there's sometimes when you literally there's just not a way to get to the spot that you want to hunt that your access is perfect. And I find that most of the time, whenever that happens, I bump deer. Like I just always bump deer whenever that, whenever I access and I know that it's wrong, I'm always bumping deer. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know in the dark if that that might be the buck you were looking for. Right. Yeah, exactly. You have a lot of times you have no idea how many deer you bumped out of there on the way in that, 
you know, you might not, uh, might not even heard, you know, sometimes you hear them, sometimes you don't, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's always funny when I watch a video and people, people say, we got in here clean this morning. I'm like, I mean, and I know. <laughs> yeah, I do you really know? I don't actually know that. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of along those lines as we wrap things up here, um, what, I guess what, what's a thing or two, you mentioned thermals there, of course, and, and X or entrance strategies, but what, Yes. Any other things that that you've kind of learned along the way for somebody that you know maybe new to this, maybe uh, doing public land deer hunting for the first time, or maybe just a new deer hunter in general. Any any kind of little nuggets you've learned along the way that might help them find success a little quicker. Yeah, man. I keep. Um, I don't quite do it as much anymore, but when I was really first getting started in this, I, I started keeping. Uh, like really, really good, um, notes about where I was seeing deer. Um, if I was driving and I happened to see deer on the side of the road, pull up on X or Barton Forge or hunt stand, whatever you got and figure out why the deer's there or, or, or at least just make a mental note of this is what it looked like when you're in the woods and you're deer hunting and you find a spot and there's a lot of deer there, make a mental note of what it what it looked like how was the deer moving through there and what you start to find as you do that are common denominators and like it, it does require some discipline right to do that every time you see a deer but when you can start to piece together those common denominators of of where deer are at then you'll start to take a a 20,000 acre WMA and you'll start really refining the areas that are of interest to you. Like when I look at 20,000 acre WMA, I'm pretty much, I pretty much got it narrowed down to maybe a couple hundred acres that I really want to focus on that have all the things that I'm looking for. So, um, yeah, don't, don't get, don't get overwhelmed by big tracts of land. It's, it's very easy to, when you're not, when you're not sure what you're looking for, but, learn what to look for. Um, and for some people it's different. Some people, some people really like hunting, um, uh, uh, saddles or they really like to hunt funnels or something like that. And that may be what you figure out is like, man, in my area, this is the spot that produces for me. It's, uh, two or more hardline transitions, like two or more types of habitat that all come together in one spot. And the icing on the cake is if there's any type of terrain feature that is close, even close by, it doesn't even have to be like right there in, in it, in that, uh, where they all converge, but close by. So if it's a saddle or a bench or, um, some like a, uh, a drainage or something like that, or even a, like a, a real subtle Creek that might be running off the top of the bridge something like that. Um, that's been the thing that is constantly produced. Like when I go and hunt and I can't see a hard line, at least one hard habitat change, I don't feel like I'm going to see a deer. And most of the time I don't. Uh, but man, if you can find three or four, golly, those are the spots that just absolutely rock. I mean, I love spots like that. Um, I did a podcast with a guy named Matt Powell from uh, Tennessee and he calls it X marks the spot 
where those all those things come together. If you had four of them coming together, it would make an X. And so I just, once he said it, I was like, man, like that, <laughs> I love that phrase. Like it's so, it's so easy to remember and you can look at a map. If I, if I pulled up a map on a WFA in Georgia, my mind, my eyes are immediately going to go to those place, places. Uh, and, and they're typically pretty easy to see most of the time from a map. Um, and then, you know, um, be creative. That That's, that's the biggest thing. Be creative. Try new things. Um, don't get stuck in a, I have to hunt this way. Like if you're a tree stand hunter or a, an elevated hunter, don't get stuck in. I always got to be up in a tree. Some spots are going to be better on the ground. Uh, vice versa. If you like sitting up on sitting down on the ground and some spots are just better in a tree, uh, be creative with your access. Like we already talked about, um, try things that nobody else is trying because most people aren't killing deer. You look at, Spartan Forge has pretty good statistics on their uh, on their app for um, how many how many deer get killed per year per hunter per license sold or whatever, and most states are like one or 0. 0.7, 0. 0.5 deer per hunter on average. So that that tells me is while there might be a lot of deer getting killed, it's the what is it the eighty twenty rule? Uh, yeah, yeah, twenty. And hunters are killing eighty percent of the deer, um, so most people aren't super successful. It's just that's just kind of the statistic, um, and that's because most people are probably hunting the same way. Uh, so try something different. That's always been been very beneficial for me. Yep, and <clears throat> I, I I even try to do that still. Just try to mix things up, you know, not only to improve your success, but it just kind of keeps things fun and interesting, you know, just try, try something different. I'm, I want to try to start doing a lot more, uh, hunting off the ground. That's something I haven't done a whole lot of. And, you know, like you said, as you get out here and find some of these spots, it's just, that's the only way there really is to hunt some of these areas. And rather than just marking it off and, you know, saying, I got to go hunt somewhere where I can hang a tree stand. Yep. So, well. Hey, and, and on that note, uh, another piece of advice that I would give is don't start filming your hunts unless you really <laughs> because I find a lot of ground spots that I'm like, man, this would be perfect to hunt on the ground, but it'd be tough to film on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that takes a whole different, a, a whole additional discipline. I, I've been back and forth on that whole venture trying to film hunts. And yeah, if you're not, if you're not happy with your, your success without filming, don't, uh, don't start dragging a camera in there with you. <laughs> no. No, because you will definitely not be happy. With <laughs> <laughs> well, Parker, I, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you. I know you were you were on the way home from a hunt and uh, stopped to to talk to us. I appreciate that. For for those who would like to uh, keep up with you and kind of keep up with how your your hunts are going and and watch some of your hunts uh, play out, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, man. Like I mentioned. Uh, like I mentioned a while ago, Southern Ground Hunting on YouTube and uh, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'm on a on the Sportsman's Empire podcast network with uh, yeah guys like Dan Johnson with Nine Finger Chronicles is on there. Garrett Prawl, Do It Yourself uh, or DIY Sportsman. Um, lots of really really good podcasts. I know you guys. Uh, I know this podcast specifically isn't isn't like necessarily geared towards Southern hunters. 
And so if you're a guy from Michigan or Missouri or something like that, I promise you there's a podcast on that network that is going to be right up your alley. So go and check that out. And then on social media, um, Facebook and Instagram, you can search at Southern Ground Hunting and uh, you you can keep up with most of the day-to-day stuff there. Well, good deal, man. Again, I I appreciate you joining us. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a a good, I hope your season improves here in the final, final month or so. So. Man, it's going to have to. (laughs) Man, it's been rough, but I'm still going. I'm still not too, still not too depressed about it yet. So, yeah, yeah, you so, still you still got some good good hunting ahead there in Alabama. So hopefully absolutely. you'll make it happen. All right, guys, that wraps up our interview with Parker McDonald. Uh, thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show. You know, you can find us on all the popular podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, and and several more. So about anywhere. You could listen to uh, listen to podcasts. You should be able to find us there. Uh, or you can just go to DeerAssociation.com slash podcast and subscribe directly from our website. Uh, hey, we'd also love it if you take just a second to leave us a five-star rating or a written review. You know, those both help us uh, climb the, the podcasting charts and be more visible to uh, to future listeners. So we would appreciate any support you could give us there. For more information about the National Deer Association, you can visit our website, again, at DeerAssociation.com. From there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can become a member. And don't forget about that podcast promo code that we talked about at the beginning of the show to get you a little bit of a discount on an annual membership and that free NDA hat. So be sure to take advantage of that. And, uh, hey, just enjoy some of our several hundred articles of, of free content right there on our website covering everything from hunting strategy to food plots habitat improvement um, deer management you name it uh, if it's deer hunting or deer management related we got some good content right there on our website available to you so check that out and of course you can always find us on all the popular social media platforms facebook instagram twitter and youtube at deer association so Again, thanks for listening to the Deer Season 365 podcast, the podcast where deer season never ends.